Hello, friends. Welcome to Read 'em and Weep. It me, your infirmed host, Sammy. That's right. I'm sick again. Let me just tell you guys: if you don't like being sick, don't have kids. You know, my oldest daughter started preschool at the beginning of last year. And I think since then, I've been sick for like half of my existence. I mean, Jesus H. Christ, it is just so brutal. These little germ buckets, there's just like no escaping it. So uh, I know my voice sounds shitty and I'm probably pretty low energy, but I will do my best to get through the podcast. I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Uh, I do have a good podcast for you guys today. I think that the results of today's hands are not that interesting, but I think that the thought process uh, and the and the spots in these hands are worth examining. So without any more pussyfooting around, let's get into the hands. All right, hand one. We're playing 5, 10, 25 at the private game. It's a Saturday night, so the stakes uh, just started at 5, 10, 25. I'm sitting with about 3.6K in front of me. I'm under the gun, and I look down at my favorite hand, pocket aces. Pocket aces under the gun. I open to 60. I go with the smaller size. I, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've gotten into the strategy of opening to smaller amounts from early position and larger amounts from late position. So at like a game like 5, 10, 25, I'll open a 60 from early and then 75 from late. So here I open a 60 and I get two callers behind me. I hate that, but then something beautiful happens. It gets to a good, tough, aggressive thinking player in the small blind and he squeezes to 360. And God damn it, there is just nothing ever better than when somebody three bets you when you have pocket aces. It's just this incredibly euphoric feeling. Uh, my little weenus starts tingling under the table. Now it's just a matter of do we trap here or do we go with the four bet? And I think there is absolutely a time and place to trap preflop with aces. I'd say usually the prerequisites for that are that A, you're in position, and then B, you're relatively shallow. Now here, I will be in position post-flop, but if I trap by just calling his 360, we're going to remain fairly deep. There would be, I don't know, like 850-ish in the pot, and we'd still have a little more than 3.2K behind. So the SPR, the stack-to-pot ratio, would be close to four, and that's pretty deep for pocket aces, like way deeper than ideal. Plus, we have the added deterrence of the two callers behind me. So if I just call the 360, one or both of them might call as well with cracking hands, like pairs, suited connectors, etc. And then I'm playing this multi-way hand out of position in a deep stack situation with a one pair hand that rarely improves. No thanks. So I do decide to go with the four bet and I make it a little larger than usual because A, we're pretty deep and then B, I've four bet this guy light before multiple times and showed his ass. So I've actually been planning on going large with a value for a bet the next time I picked up a real hand, and here we are. So I go 1100 a little more than 3x his original raise. The players behind me fold, and now it gets back to the small blind who thinks and considers for quite a while and then ends up making the call. So we love that. The flop comes out 10-8-7 with two clubs. I have pocket aces without the eight of clubs and he checks. So the pot is about 2,300 and we have about 2,500 behind. So the SPR is about one. And I think that really illustrates the superiority of the four bet here because we only have a pot size bet left. So I'm correct to be getting all the chips in on this flop 
even on a not so great flop, like 10, eight, seven with two clubs four pocket aces is not a great flop, but in a four bet pot, he's going to have way fewer big hands on this flop than you would in a three bet pot. Like this guy's a good player. He's not three betting out of position and then calling a four bet out of position for a third of his stack with like pocket eights, pocket sevens, seven, eight suited, jack nine suited. Like he's a good player, not a whale. So again, even though this is a not a great flop for pocket aces and a four bet pot with an SPR around one, I've paired his range to the point where he's not going to smash this board that hard. And then kind of no matter what, because I just have a pot size bet behind, I'm just going to get it all in. Like that's the way to go. So I'm definitely going to bet after he checks to me. And the only question is, is a small bet of something like, I don't know, 700 to a thousand into 2300 the best, or do I just jam it for the full 2.5 K? And after thinking about this after the hand, I think I like shoving the most. I think that makes the most sense because it's what I want to do with my equity-driven bluffs, right? It's 10-8-7 with two clubs. If I'd four-bet his ass with like ace-five of clubs or ace-four of clubs or ace-king of clubs or even something like ace-jack with one club, I just want to jam those hands and put max pressure on his range. And in general, you want your value sizing and your bluff sizings to match Because that makes you really tough to play against. And I think that's especially important against good players like this guy. Whereas like against bad players, you don't really need to do that much balancing. Like you just need to bet the right amount for the hand you have. They're not going to be able to exploit your imbalances, right? But this guy will. So I think in general, I want to, I want to follow kind of a balanced strategy. And because I want my bluffs and my value sizes to match, I think I should just be jamming here, but in game, I went with the smaller sizing just because I didn't want him to hero fold. Like I didn't want him to hero fold like pocket queens or something like that. So I bet 900 and he check jams after some thought for the 2,500. I snap call, of course, and he has pocket jacks with the jacket clubs. Remember, it's 10, 8, 7 with two clubs. So I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. We run it twice. Unfortunately for your boy, Sammy, the first board runs out club club and he makes a flush. And then on the second board, he turns a jack for top set and we lose a $7,400 pot when we were like better than a three to one favorite. I mean, fuck (laughs) that just like feels like bathing in glass. It's just so brutal. But I'll say this, regardless of the results, I like the way I played the hand. I like the way I thought through the hand and I reload for another 4,000 and we move on to hand two. All right, hand two. Still playing 5, 10, 25. We are about 2,800 effective in this hand, and I have aces yet again. This time in the hijack, two off the button, Because I'm in later position, I open up my bigger size, 75, and miraculously, the player behind me in the cutoff three bets me to 225. Everyone folds and it's back to me. Now, if you ever get your aces cracked in a big pot, there is no elixir better than getting them again a short time later and somebody three bets you. So I plan on getting my vengeance and I go with a four bet because in this hand, I'm going to be playing out of position post-flop. So again, the the conditions aren't really right for me to want to trap and call with my pocket aces pre. So I four bet to a small sizing. I four bet to 650, a little less than 3x his raise. 
And this is kind of my standard four bet size. And I take a smaller sizing than I did in hand one because our stacks are shallower. So I don't need to raise as much to get a manageable SPR, stack to power ratio. He thinks about it for not very long and makes the call. And we go to a flop that I absolutely adore. It's four deuce deuce rainbow. So obviously a stellar flop for both my hand and my range. Like even my four bet bluffs, like ace five suited and ace deuce suited, like they love this flop. And, you know, my big pairs like pocket aces, kings, etc., love this flop as well. So now it's time to start thinking about how best to attack. And there's 1300 in the pot and we have a little more than 2100 left behind. So this is a range bet spot, which means that I'll be wanting to bet all of my hands here, both because of the board texture and then also because I'm the four bet aggressor. So when you're betting basically all your hands, you want to bet for a small sizing. So I do. And I go very small here. I go under a quarter pot. I bet 300 into 1300. Now, if I were deeper, I'd still be betting smaller, but I would probably go a little bigger than I did, like in the range of 400 to 450. But because the stacks are as such, I think betting 300 is just fine. And I do. And the cool thing about this is that he essentially can't fold. Like he can't fold. Like maybe he can find some of his worst hands to fold. Like, I don't know, eight, seven suited or something like that. If he's three betting and defending a four bet, but against this sizing, like he's just got to float with essentially all his hands. Right? So I bet 300, he does indeed call. And the turn comes the queen of diamonds, putting a second diamond on board. So it's four deuce deuce on the flop and then a queen putting a second diamond on the turn. I have pocket aces with the ace of diamonds. So him having a hand like ace king of diamonds or ace jack of diamonds, ace 10 of diamonds, something like that. He can't have those because I have the ace of diamonds. So that's a really good card for me to have. Now there's about 1900 in the pot and we have about 1850 behind. So essentially a pot size bet. And I think continuing to bet here is absolutely cool and you can totally do it. But in this case, I decide to make one of my favorite plays and I check. And it's one of my favorite plays because I've gotten some really great results over the years by c-betting the flop and then checking the turn with monster hands because it really mimics the times when you have nothing and you just decide to give up. Like most players see this line and they're like, oh, it's a give up. So in this case, I think it probably looks a lot to him like I have a hand like ace-king that's just giving up. And that incentivizes him to bet with both his value, like his pocket pairs for protection, like say he had a hand even like pocket nines or pocket tens, uh, to, to bet those for equity denial slash protection, and then also his bluffs. And I think he should have a lot of bluffs available to him right now because with my small four bet pre-flop and then my really small C bet on the flop, it leaves him with a really wide range. And so all those hands that haven't connected, but he felt compelled to kind of float with on the flop. He's going to try to take it away now that I checked. And this play really works. Like if we were deeper, I don't really think it works. Like if we were deeper, I'd still want to keep betting. But because we only have a pot size bet left, even if he checks back the turn, I can just jam the river and it's not like some massive overbet. So I think I give him some rope, but don't really limit the amount that I can win in the hand just because of the way that the, the, depths of the stacks are. So I do check and he takes the bait. My fishy friend goes for the bait. He bets 700 into 1900 
And now my decision is to just call here and then check the river, hoping to induce more bluffs or to just check raise jam now and hope he's got something he can call with. And frankly, I don't love either option, but I think because the river goes check, check so often, both when he's got like marginal one pairs, like say he does have pocket tens. I think he checks back the river on those when I check. Uh, But then also I think he checks back a lot of his bluffs. Like I could totally see him just doing one and done. And when I check call the turn here, he's like, oh, okay, like I'm not going to bluff again. So because of that, I decide to just check jam. I do check jam and he snap calls and he snap calls so quickly that I'm like, okay, I really like that he called, but I hope he doesn't have Queens, but he does not. He's got ace queen. Again, it's four deuce deuce on the flop and then a queen on the turn. He's drawing pretty much close to stone dead. He's got two outs in a 6K pot. We decide to run it twice. Uh, I win the first one. However, one of the two remaining queens falls on the second board, and we chop the 6K pot instead of me taking the whole thing. We do, in fact, hate to see it. So not running well, obviously. Uh, I may be broke, but I do like the way that I played this hand. I don't think it takes a genius to play pocket aces super well, but I think that you know creating good sizings and doing some creative things when the when the depths of the stacks kind of line up for you to do so, I think is cool. I think I did that here. Unfortunately, he gets off the hook, but that's poker. So I'm going to throw one more hand at you. We'll do a little bonus hand. Stay tuned for that. All right, throw me a freaking bonus hand here. It's 5-10-25. I open to 60 from early position with pocket tens. There's one caller behind me and the small blind three bets now to 300. And the small blind, the guy who three bet, is a loose player who, in my experience, generally calls a lot more pre-flop than three bets. So I think a lot of the time he's strong when he does three bet. Although I have to say in this session, he's stuck piles. So I can't be sure that's not changing things for him, but I don't really know. So regardless, we're about 5K effective at this point. So I'm definitely not folding pocket tens, but I think that four betting here might be a bit of an overplay. So I call the 300 and the cutoff behind me also calls the 300 and we go three ways to a flop. It's king, king, five with two hearts. I have pocket tens without the 10 of hearts. So the small blind C-bets, and he C-bets very small, less than a third. He C-bets 250 into 900. And on king-king five with two hearts, I don't think that folding a hand as strong as pocket tens to this size is very good, um, even with a player still to act behind me. So, so in my mind, it's essentially call or raise. And I decide that I think raising is slightly better. So my thinking is that This extremely small bet from this player is very suspicious. Like if it was from a good studied player, I wouldn't think anything of it because a good studied player should be betting small on this texture, especially multi-way. But this is not the uh, studied type of player, Uh, not a sophisticated player by any stretch who like down bets his range based on flop textures, etc. Like I don't know if I've ever seen him make a C-bet this small before. So... When he makes a small bet here, I I kind of take it to mean he's either very strong or very weak. Like, I think if he had a hand on kinking five with two hearts, like pocket jacks or, you know, a flush draw, if he did squeeze with, you know, eight, seven suited or something like that, eight, seven of hearts, I feel like he would bet bigger to try to get folds 
slash protection. Like, I just don't think he'd be able to bet small with those hands. So when he bets, again, I think he's got like a monster, like ace king or even pocket kings or maybe pocket aces, something like that. Or he's just got fuck all. You know, he's got like ace queen or ace jack or, you know, just something like that. So I decide to raise because I think I should be raising more against small bets. And also, I want to deny the equity of the cutoff behind me. I want to clean that equity up because if I call 250, he's getting an amazing price to continue with a super wide range that can improve on the turn. Whereas if I raise, it really puts him in a tough spot unless he's got like a really big hand himself. So I decide to raise and I raise pretty small. I just raised to 650 because I think that does fine against my perceived range that I've given the small blind. So I raised to 650. The cutoff behind me does fold. And now the small blind thinks for a while, he hems and he haws. And then he asks me how much I have in my stack. I show him my stack. He thinks about it a little more and he ends up making the call. The turn is a pretty inconsequential card. It's an offsuit nine. So king, king, five with two hearts. Then an offsuit nine on the turn. I have pocket tens and he checks. And now I think my hand is a very clear check. I don't see him really folding anything on the turn that he would have called with on the flop. And my hand's incentive is to get to showdown as cheaply as possible. So I think it's a pretty clear check back. And I do. And the river is an offsuit ace. So again, king, king, five with two hearts. He C-bets the flop and I raise with pocket tens and he calls. The turn comes an offsuit nine. It goes check, check. And then the river comes an offsuit ace. And he thinks about it for a little bit, and he decides to bet 900 into a pot that's about 2200 at this point. And I just fucking hate it. I just hate it so much because there's just not much I can beat here. Like his range contains a lot of king X, and then also some ace high flush draws like ace queen of hearts, ace jack of hearts that just hit an ace on the river and are now value betting knowing that it's very unlikely that I have a king. Because if I had a king, I almost for sure would keep continuing to bet on the turn. Yeah, and at this point, like, I just don't think he's got any, like, pocket queens or pocket jacks. Like, I don't think those hands ever bet on the river. I think it's possible that he's got some lower hearts that miss their flush draw. Like, you know, nine, ten of hearts, something like that. But like I said, he's not that big of a pre-flop three-better. So I just don't think he's got many of those hands as played. And then I also feel like he's the type, like if he were stone ass bluffing here, he'd make it larger, like 900 into 2200, like 40-ish percent pot or whatever. It doesn't feel like he's trying to get me out of the hand. You know what I mean? So I just figure I can't beat much and I fold. I never found out what the guy had, but I feel confident that it was a good fold. And uh, I don't know, something inside me just kind of feels like I ran into it here. Say lovey. Anyways, this was a very off-brand episode. I'd say there weren't many uh, Obama putting a medal on himself moments in this podcast. There also weren't any real fire me into the sun moments. Uh, I also don't like putting bad beats on this podcast. Uh, I've said it before, but the point of this podcast is not to put like, woe is me, bad beats. But, you know, these just happen to be the most interesting hands that I've played in the last week. And, uh, you know, they just happen to end bad for me. But uh, but I thought the spots were interesting. And this is what we got. So I do hope you guys liked it. Thank you so much for bearing with me through my shitty voice and sickness, etc. And until next week, my friends, play good and run pure.